Well, Jesus was not only a uh, fearless preacher of uh, the good news of the kingdom, but he was also uh, obviously a great storyteller and sometimes a very shrewd one. Because as I've said before, that was uh, the way that rabbis often taught the faith to their people so that they could uh, more easily understand and remember what was taught in the context of a story that he told. And I think you probably know uh, that a, a good story, you know, has the power to draw you into it. Like uh, when my favorite author, John Grisham, sets one of his novels in a real place that I've actually been to and that I know about, and all of a sudden I'm reading along and, you know, I'm in the story. Or when our daughter Andrea was a little girl, one of her favorite uh, bedtime stories was a book entitled, I'm Glad I'm Your Dad. Whenever I was home to uh, tuck her in, she would often say, let's read that one again because we would see each other in that story. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells literally dozens of these wonderful stories, one of which is known as the story or the parable of the prodigal son, which is arguably uh, one of the best known and maybe the best loved of all of his stories. And what makes this particular story extra special, at least to me, is that it's a story that Jesus made up and told to an audience that included uh, two very different groups of people. Over here uh, were the sinner types and the tax collectors. And uh, since this is tax season, then, you know, maybe you would be interested in knowing, you know, why these tax collectors get singled out all the time as the big sinners in the Gospels. And it it has to do with the fact that tax collectors uh, were often Jews who sold out and went to work for the Romans, collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman emperor, which meant that they were traitors, not just to their country, but uh, also to their God. They they were seen as people who not only threw their life away, but they also threw their their faith away. And so the sinner types uh, in the audience, they were the social outcasts. They were the immoral, the the irreligious people. They didn't care anything about God. They They were just living for themselves. And yet, You know, strangely, Luke begins chapter 15 here by saying that all the tax collectors and sinners came out to listen to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus hung out with them. That's why. He went to dinner with them. He was their friend, which is another story that I'll get to a little bit later on. But the other group uh, in the audience of the congregation that day uh, were the Pharisees and the scribes, and they weren't just religious people. They were the super-religious elite people. These were the religious leaders who uh, kept interpreted and enforced religious law, and these were the ones who were out to shut down the ministry of Jesus because he was a fearless preacher of the kingdom, of this good news of God's Grace, and also because he was hanging around with group number one. And uh, so they complained that this man, this fellow, was actually eating with sinners because back then eating with somebody was actually a sign that you accepted that 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 person, except that for the religious people, the sinners were unclean, so that eating with them made Jesus unclean, and why would any self-respecting rabbi do such a thing? And so so you have these two different groups Uh, The religious people who didn't care anything about God, and then the super-religious people who were challenging the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus has to somehow speak to the entire congregation and say something that would draw both of them in. And so he tells a story about two brothers, a a younger brother and an older brother. And the younger brother is like the sinner types uh, in the 
congregation over here. He is the one who takes the father's inheritance. He leaves the father's house. He goes out into the world and he throws his life away until he realizes just how much he he needs the father. The older brother who stays home, obeys the father, works hard, and plays by all the rules, he's like the Pharisees and the scribes in the story. And then Jesus adds in these uh, details from real life that would draw people even further into the parable, like, for example, the fact that, that in first century Judaism, if somebody asked their father for their inheritance before the father died, I mean, it wasn't like going to your father and saying, you know, Dad, I really love you. I hope you live a very long life, but I need some money now. Back then, this was like going to the father and saying, you're dead to me, and our relationship is over. And they knew that. They knew that's what it meant. And in the first century, it often meant sons actually getting disinherited, or even worse, and they knew that too. Or the fact that the younger brother goes and gets a job feeding pigs would have been known to them as a signal that not only was he throwing his life away, he was also throwing his faith away because that job would have violated the religious laws and the dietary restrictions of the the book of Deuteronomy. Then you have the father in the story. He represents God. And he is the one who not only lets the younger brother back into his house after all the rules that he breaks, all the dishonor that he has shown, this father actually runs out the door out of the house and down the road to embrace his disobedient, irreligious, unclean son, becoming unclean himself in the process. He embraces his son. He kisses his son. He forgives his son even before the son confesses his sins to the father, which is another very interesting detail you know, in this story, after which the father throws a party to end, all parties, complete with music and dancing into the night and a fatted calf and a ring and a robe, all of which makes the parable of, of the prodigal son a story of overwhelming grace, unconditional love, forgiveness, reconciliation, beyond our wildest dreams. And a great story for the sinners who came out to listen to what Jesus had to say that day, as well as those who came out to hear the words of Jesus this day. With that explanation, you know, I could probably just kind of end the sermon right there. You'd like that, wouldn't you? You know, there's a song we used to sing on the schoolyard back in the day that every party has a pooper. And that's when the story shifts its attention to the older brother in the story who objects to the music. And he's offended by the dancing. And he wants no part of the celebration. And he is like the Pharisees and the scribes in the story In fact, as great as this parable is for the sinner types who are in the audience, it may surprise you to know that the parable of the prodigal son was actually directed at the older brother types who were in the audience. Why? Because they were the ones who objected to the fact that Jesus was hanging out with group number one 
And so, in response to their objection, St. Luke reports, so he told them this parable, and he lets the sinners and the tax collectors eavesdrop or listen into the story. And that's where the story shifts again in, in part two, where we find that the older brother who stays in the house, obeys the father, does the work, plays by the rules, is also alienated from the father. So that both the younger brother and the older brother are actually both far away from the heart of God. The the younger brother is alienated from the father because of his disobedience. He doesn't care about the father. The father's dead to him. He doesn't want the father. He wants the father's money. But the older brother is also alienated from the father. Not by his disobedience, but get this, by his obedience. Believe it or not. Because when the father strikes up the band and he opens this great dance floor in celebration of his younger son, this is the greatest day of the father's whole life. His son has come home to him, but the older brother doesn't care about the father. He doesn't care about his joy. He doesn't care about the father's will. He doesn't care about the father or the brother or the reunion. All he cares about is himself and his obedience and his sense of justification and his feelings of unfairness so that the older brother in the story is trying to be his own savior. And he thinks that now the father owes him something. See what's going on here? The older brother thinks that his relationship with the father is about his obedience. He doesn't understand. He refuses to understand that his relationship with the father is about the father's love for him. And when I say that Jesus was a great storyteller and sometimes a shrewd one, you know, this is what I mean because then the, the parable takes yet another twist where the father makes it clear that he loves both the younger brother and the older brother. And he invites both of his sons into the celebration, except that one of them comes in and one of them doesn't come in. Not because of his disobedience, but because of his obedience, because it got in the way of understanding that the father's love is the glue of the whole family. So that the parable of the prodigal son comes to this unbelievably shocking end where the bad boy is saved and the good boy is lost. Not because the father doesn't love him, but because he's so wrapped up in himself, in his performance and in his obedience, that he is lost in his failure to understand that this whole relationship is about the father's love. And you know, that's the whole story, which isn't quite as simple as the way I heard it in Sunday school. But here's the thing, friends, don't get me wrong. God wants your obedience. He expects your obedience. It's just that some people have this picture of God that says, I obey, therefore I am blessed. Or I obey, and therefore I am accepted. Or I obey, and therefore I am loved. 
And if that's the way you see God, like a lot of older brother types in the world see God, then, you know, Jesus is your teacher, and Jesus is your inspiration, and Jesus is your guide, but he's not your savior. And that will never bring you close to the heart of God or to the heart of the brother or the sister for whom he really is the Savior. But in his fearless preaching of the kingdom of, of God and this good news and in the, in the wonderful stories that he tells throughout the Gospels, Jesus paints another picture. And this picture says, I am blessed and I am accepted and I am loved and therefore I will obey. A completely different picture. Not to be my own savior, not to wave my obedience in front of my father, not to wave it in front of my brother or in front of my sister, but because, you know, I've already been welcomed home. (laughs) I've already got my inheritance. So how does this all play out in your life? And in the way we uh, carry out ministry here at St. Andrew. Here's what I can tell you. There are times uh, when I open the Bible to Luke chapter 15 and I read the parable of the prodigal son and I find myself deeply drawn into that story. Unfortunately, because I find myself identifying with the older brother. And the fact is that surveys in recent years have shown that the two most frequently used words by non-churchgoers to refer to the churches in their own communities here in America are the words judgmental and irrelevant. And that's when I need to go back to Luke 15 and read the story another time. And this time, allow myself to be drawn into the part about the younger brother and realize that, hey, I've blown it a thousand times in my relationship to the Father, and I mean every day. But that this God of grace runs to me, and he embraces me every time I turn to him holding nothing in my hands. And whenever you come here to the Father's house, that's what's going on. And I hope you get that. I hope you know that because what Jesus is talking about here is a a homecoming. He's talking about a reunion. He's talking about this, you know, this great celebration, the party that ends all parties in the mind of God, complete with music and dancing and revelry and celebration and expression of the love of God through the people of God. Every time I go back to him, not to get more stuff, but just to get more of God. And so maybe it's a good idea to go back and and read the parable even a third time and dare to put yourself and even to put our church in the role of the Father and to be drawn into that part of the story and to see ourselves in the role of the other brother who tells this great, beautiful story in the first place so that you can go out and you can hang out with the people in your life who are far from God and get dinner with them. And just be their friend until they're ready to, to really listen to you tell them that Jesus Christ is their friend. You know, that He's not against them. That there's a place of welcome 
in the Father's house for them. Or, or maybe you can spend some time with the older brother uh, types in your life uh, as well and say, hey, I, you know, I've identified with you more times than I want to admit. But you know what? The gospel is not, I present God a righteous record and so now God owes me something. The gospel is God presents me with a righteous record on the account of his son so that I can live for him and love my brother and love my sister and show up at the party and dance up a storm. Because in the words of St. Clement of Alexandria, all our life is a holy festival and there is really something great and very holy about a reunion hosted by the Lord of life. You might remember the story of the the Baptist woman who went to the Lutheran pastor and said to him, Pastor, can Lutherans dance? (laughs) Pastor said, well, some can. (laughs) And some can't. And you know what? That is actually true. Not just physically, but also spiritually. And so today, in the name of Jesus, I invite you to be drawn into one of the greatest stories that you will ever hear. I want to invite you to imagine the great celebration that exists in the mind and the heart of God whenever you go to the Father's house here on earth and someday in heaven, no matter how far you have wondered, whether it was through your disobedience or even through your obedience, if either of those things happened to get in the way of understanding what the grace of God at the cross of Jesus Christ is really all about. Because the message that Jesus wants to send today, I believe, in the story of the prodigal son, is that whoever you are. You are loved. Your relationship with God is about His love for you. He's glad He's your dad. And He has for you the party to end all parties as His way of saying to you, the children of God, welcome home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.